0: Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. All right, <laughs> hey, we're in, uh, my name's Pastor Mark. By the way, campus pastor here. Hey, we're in week two of a series called Desperation. Have y'all enjoyed this series so far? One week in. Come on, praise the Lord. Last week we talked. We we, we found ourselves in Exodus thirty-three. And the context of the situation of, that's taking place is Moses has been up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights talking with God. The Israelites are down in camp. They've been given specific instructions. Don't worship any other gods other than me, but they turn camp into a nightclub, okay? They start turning up. They make a golden calf. They start worshiping this golden calf, and, and God gets frustrated. But here's the deal. He promised to the Israelite people the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. So he says to Moses, who's the mediator, who, you know, God speaks to Moses and Moses will speak to the Israelites. He, he has this conversation with Moses and he says, I know that I promised you the land flowing with milk and honey, so I'm going to give it to you. I'll, I'll give you an angel escort and they'll, and they'll clear out any enemies, any trouble you might have in the land. He goes, But man, you're a stiff necked people. You know, in essence, I'm, I'm frustrated with you guys. He says, So I'm not going to go with you. You can go. You can have it, but I'm not going to go with you. And in Exodus 33:15, 15, I love Moses' response. He says this. Moses replies, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Remember, they're wandering through the desert, right? But Moses was desperate for the presence of God. He, he, here's, the, here's the promised land. All the resources you'll ever need, you'll have an awesome life on earth. It'll be, it'll be great. Be everything you could imagine, everything you could dream. I'll give it to you. I'm not going with you. And Moses says, God, I would rather wander through this desert if it meant that I got to be with you than inherit all the things this world has to offer. Moses was desperate for the presence of God. We finished up last week's message with um, the thought, repentance is the foundation of desperation. Repentance is the foundation of desperation. So just in these next couple weeks of this new series titled Desperation, I I wanna look at some stories we find in the scripture that I believe depict what true desperation looks like. Um, And really, church, my my heart with this series is, is that a new hunger would rise up in us. That we would just grow desperate for the things of God, like it, it would grow far beyond a Sunday morning experience. It would be, it would start to pollute your entire life in the best way possible. Where you get in your car and you just blast worship music, you're almost crashing because your hands are raised. I'm talking, come on, seriously, you, seriously. You wake up in the morning and you're like, man, you know before. Before I just have a daily verse pop up on my phone, I'll give it a glance and that's good. No, 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 a a new desire for God's word. Like, man, I I think I need to read a chapter today. Like, I'm hungry, right? I I pray through this series, we would become a church, a people that's desperate to encounter our creator. And we grow desperate for the things of God, amen? Let me share this passage with you. Uh, This is where we'll be for most of the morning. Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. I'm reading out of the NIV. have mercy on me. Then it says Jesus stopped and said call him. So then they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him this question. He says, "What do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you?" And the blind man said, "Rabbi, I want to see." I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. Hey, if you're taking notes, uh, the title of my message this morning is Have Mercy on Me. Have mercy on me. Y'all ready for the word? Because I feel like preaching. Let's go. Let's pray. Jesus, um, Father, I pray that you would use this word in a divine way. Lord, I also ask that you would use me in a divine way, God. I pray that you would anoint me right now as these words go forth. Let, let, let the seeds of your words, the seed of your scripture uh, take root in our hearts. Let it transform our, our souls. God, I pray that we would grow desperate for you. A new hunger would grow within us, Lord, for you and for the things of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have any of you guys ever read the first chapter of Matthew? Matthew chapter one? Yeah? Familiar with it? Cool. So, you know, you know, I love the Lord. I really do. I love the Lord. I love His Word. But um, the first chapter of Matthew being the genealogy of Jesus, and before I say anything, it's rich in content. It really is. You read through it and you see this long list of names. It's the bloodline of Jesus, The you know, the descendants, and it's like, wow, I see some messed up people in this, in this bloodline of Jesus, and that gives me hope because I'm messed up. You know, so I understand that part, and that part's encouraging. And if I had to preach on it, I'd probably, you know, come at it from that angle. I I think there's things we can pull from there to apply to our life. Um, But after reading through that entire list of names once, I don't need to do it again. Right? I get it. It looks good. But uh, Matthew, maybe that's bad preaching advice, but uh, Matthew verse 1-1, the very first verse of the New Testament, it says this says this. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. So you'll notice that in this verse, I've made son of David yellow. And if you look close, you can see this S here is lowercase. It's lowercase as Matthew talks about the son of David. So in Jewish culture, just because Jesus is being called son of David here doesn't mean that King David was his dad. King David was around 1,000 years before Jesus is on earth, right? So in Jewish culture, if you were referred to as son, you know, like a, I have a, I have both of my grandfathers are named John. Was anyone here last week, second service, this dude comes walking down the middle aisle? It's like, Grandpa, what are you doing, man? That's why I don't invite my family to church anymore, for real. For real, I just, I, I, lo- I like my church fam, and that's the only family I need. Amen. Lord, I thank, I thank you, I thank you, but I'm good, you know? Anyways, so his name's John, so I could be referred to as son of John, right, because I'm a descendant of John at, at some point, so, um, so in Matthew, as he refers to Jesus, that's what he means, but then we see uh, the way that Bartimaeus in Mark 10 refers to Jesus, so if we could pull that verse back up, he says, many rebuked him, and, you know, they told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, so what do you notice that's different? The S is capitalized, right? So I want to talk about this a little bit because I I think it's important. Um, There's obviously a difference between Matthew's son of David and Bartimaeus' son of David. The S is capitalized. So about a thousand years before Jesus was ever even on earth, the Lord spoke to David in the Old Testament. And we find that conversation in 2 Samuel. So I want to read this verse because this verse is, is honestly, it's really important to the Jewish people. Still is today if someone was to, you know, claim Judaism today. It says this, Second Samuel uh, chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. It says, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. So this is God speaking to David. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood and I will establish his kingdom. It says, he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So this this verse is, and, and then it goes on to say, I will be his father, and he will be my son. God's saying, there's gonna be someone who comes from your line. There will be a descendant coming from you who David was a king at this time, but he's saying, I'm sending a guy who's gonna establish the throne forever. Right, so this is, this is big news. So now King David, you know, incredibly well known. All the Jews are familiar with him. They're all waiting for this descendant, this son of David, someone coming from the line of David who's gonna come to establish the throne forever. This is, this is a prophetic declaration that there's this promise. There's the promise of one to come. This verse prophesies that a, a Messiah will be coming for the Jews. So when they talk about this specific son of David, the son of David, they're talking about this messianic character. This becomes a messianic term. The, the son of David he's coming. Now, I, I, I think what Jews expected the anointed one to be the one to come, like David, you know, David was a great king, military leader, you know, slaying giants, no big deal, I I think they expected this one, what they thought, they still today, they won't accept Jesus as the Messiah, he's not the Messiah, because they're expecting a political leader, a a military leader, a charismatic leader, one who's going to restore Israel, like physically, like a rebuilding of Israel physically rather than spiritually, okay, so a little bit of background to that son of David, is that good? Anyone fall asleep? I saw a couple of y'all. I can see everybody. So that's all right. We'll talk after service. Uh, so, so let's jump into this. Mark 10, 46. Back to Bartimaeus. Mark 10, 46. It says this. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, Begging. So Jesus and his disciples, are traveling uh, with a crowd of people. All the people, they're leaving Jericho, they're headed to Jerusalem because Passover is about to go down in Jerusalem. So this massive crowd, this massive herd of people is leaving to get to Jerusalem, and it's not uncommon for someone like a beggar to be outside of the city gate, sitting on the curb, begging for money. This is where they were. You know, if you had a disability or deformity if that's a word. I may have just made that up. Um, but you, were, you were seen as unclean. You were seen as unworthy. You were seen as it's your sin that's made you like this. We don't, we don't want to associate with you. So he's at the outside gate, outside the city, shaking his cup, asking for donations. This isn't an unusual sight. This is normal. Right? Now we don't know much about Bartimaeus, all we know is that he's a blind beggar, but even further than that, Bartimaeus isn't just a blind beggar, he's a desperate blind beggar. He's desperate. There's a difference. And today I want to challenge you this morning, don't underestimate the power of desperation. Leonard Ravenhill, he wrote it like this, God does not simply answer prayer, God answers desperate prayer a bold statement. Desperation can be a powerful tool for change, and nobody understands this better than Bartimaeus. We'll find out why. I want to ask you two questions this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write them down, go home, chew on them, answer them yourself. But the first question is this, what are you willing to do to get God's attention? What are you willing to do to encounter your creator? Mark 10, verse 46 through 52, it says, then they came to Jericho, Notice here, Jesus is leaving the city. He's he's headed to Jerusalem. And and in this massive crowd of people, I guarantee Bartimaeus isn't the only beggar there. I bet they're lined up because there's other people who have disabilities sitting on the side who have been outcast to the city gate. Just a part of that culture. You know, he's just walking this, this huge herd of people walking to Jerusalem. We don't even know if Jesus even sees Bartimaeus. And he's walking. We don't even know if Bartimaeus is necessarily a thought in Jesus' mind right here, right? There's all these people around. And Bartimaeus, he he could have sat, you know, here's what I think we see. Just just because Bartimaeus is close, and just because he's blind, and just because he has a need, that, that doesn't mean he's on the agenda of Jesus. Bartimaeus could have just sat on that corner, sat on that edge of the curb thinking, Jesus will see me. He's over there? Yeah, yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll see me. I'd like to suggest this. I, I think it's a rather bold statement, but it says this proximity to Jesus doesn't guarantee anything. Proximity to Jesus doesn't guarantee anything. Bartimaeus could have sat by thinking, I'm blind. I know, I've heard that this man's able to heal. I know he's healed others. I've, I've heard the stories. This man, he, he's popular. You know, Jesus is bigger than Justin Bieber a couple years ago at this time. Just names running through. Jesus fever. But can I also suggest this, that need doesn't obligate Jesus to do a miracle. Need doesn't obligate Jesus to do a miracle. Jesus was done in Jericho, He was headed to Jerusalem, but Bartimaeus was desperate. He was desperate. Mark 10:47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, when he heard that it was that Jesus, right? When he, when he heard who it was, something rose up with him in him, and he goes, "This is my shot. He's, he's close, He's here. He, he can hear me. This is, my, this is my shot. This is my shot. I'm, I'm desperate. He's the only one who can help. He's the only one who can intervene. He, uh, Jesus! Son of David! Have mercy on me! We see Bartimaeus just waited and hoped, right? No. This boy yelled out. This boy screamed. Jesus, have mercy on me. You know, Jesus, it was a common name at this time, but somehow, someway, Bartimaeus, I don't know, Jesus fever, whatever it was, he, he, he recognized that this was Jesus, this was son of David, this was, this was the Messiah, this is the one who, who, who was able to heal, this is the one he had been hearing about for months and months. This is Jesus, the rabbi, Jesus, the healer, Jesus, son of David, son of David. Bartimaeus knew exactly what to do with no hesitation. He just shouted in the in, in just where he where he thought Jesus might be. He knew he's in the crowd. He just yells, hoping that hoping that it'll reach his ears. In, in church, I wonder, with us, are we just going to stand by, sit around, hoping he sees us, staying comfortable, staying in our lane, hoping he sees us, or? are we going to act a little bit like blind Bartimaeus and say, God, I'm desperate. I'm going to cry out to the only one who can fix anything. I want to ask you, what are you willing to do to capture his attention? What are you willing to do to capture his attention this morning? Sitting back, hoping he notices you. If that's us, you might miss him. Who knows if Bartimaeus would have got a touch? Who knows if he didn't yell out, if he wasn't desperate. Bartimaeus may have missed him, but he cried out. He said, God, here I am. Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. I love how Bartimaeus, he identifies that Jesus is, he's the one his people have been waiting for, for centuries. The the real son of David, that, that title we talked about, son of David. Bartimaeus, he knew Jesus was the son of David. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew this was the man he had been waiting for. And this is the man who can make a difference in his life. So he cried out. And I wonder today, do you understand? This is the man who can make a difference in your life. This is the man who can save your soul. What are you willing to do to get his attention? This is the man who can rid you of your sin. This is the man who took it on a cross. Are you willing to cry out? What are you willing to do to capture God's attention? I think of the, the story of the Shunammite, Shunammite woman. I wish it was a different name than that. Come on. 2 Kings 4.9 says this. I'll, I'll give you the background of the story, but I just ripped this verse. It says, and she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. She's talking about um, the prophet Elisha. And the prophet Elisha, he's able to do these miraculous things through the power of God. Remember what prophets um, symbolize in the Old Testament. They carry the voice of God. They represent the presence of God, right? And the Lord gave Elisha a double portion, a double anointing. This is, this is a man of God. This is a man that the Lord for sure uses, and she said, I've noticed the power of God in this man, and he passes by our home regularly. Man, I, I, I'm desperate. I, I want to be close. I want to encounter my creator. I'm desperate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something crazy. So she says to her husband, honey, you're a, great, you're a great builder, and I'd like for you to add on to our house. I'd, I'd like to add a room for this man. Because I don't want them to just pass by. I, I want to make room for the miraculous. I want to I make room for them to stay in our home. I, I want to make room for the presence of God. I want to make room for a miracle to happen in our family. Build a room. I'm not playing around. So every day, this man of God who is full of God's presence, right, passes by their house. But just because he passes by the house doesn't mean that it will affect the family right? So she builds a room, and it captures the prophet's attention. She builds a room, she makes room, and he stopped just passing by one day, and he decides to stay there. And what's amazing is, because, because she made room, something supernatural happened, actually blessed her family. Matter of fact, a year later, A woman who was old and barren conceived a child of her own simply because she was desperate enough to do something to capture God's attention. And I wonder, what are you willing to do to capture God's attention this morning? Let's pick back up the story of Bartimaeus. Mark 10, verses 47 through 48 says this. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now something I want you to notice here is, Bartimaeus, he's surrounded by a crowd of people. There's this huge herd that's headed to Jerusalem, right? They're headed for the Passover. This crowd is a religious crowd. This crowd knew Jesus and walked with Jesus, right? And here they are. They're telling him Boy, would you be quiet? What are you yelling for? Don't don't you know you have a disability? Don't you know you're lane? What are you yelling for? You're not, you're not allowed to do that. But Bartimaeus isn't concerned with etiquette, he's desperate, right? And I I love it, the church crowd, they walked by, and these are the people who are with Jesus. If there's anyone who's supposed to see this man, it should be the people who walk with Jesus, right? They've lost sight that he came for the sick. They lost sight that he leaves the 99 for the one. They say, Bartimaeus, shut up, man. Be quiet. This is Jesus. What are you yelling for? You're not allowed to do that. Stay in your lane. Know your role. They didn't want to make in a scene. But they missed the point of who Jesus was and what he came for. They warn him, they rebuke him, they tell him to be quiet, but notice Bartimaeus' response. It says he kept crying out all the more. I can't. I can't. This is, this is my one chance. That's the only man who can do anything. I, I I need, I'm broken. I need a touch. I need a healing. Maybe for you. I need my sin forgiven. I need my soul restored. I can't be quiet. I have to break the rules. I'm desperate. Son of David, have mercy on me. Val, you can come up on the keys if you don't mind. And, and I love this verse. I, I think this is So powerful. Told last service, get ready for goosebumps. Mark 10, 49. He cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. And then it says, Jesus stopped. He said, call him. My second question for you is this. It's a little long and it's more of like two or three questions in one, but that's okay. It says this. If Jesus were to stop, if Jesus were to stop and look at you and ask you what you want, how would you respond and what would you ask for? What makes Jesus stand still? What makes him stop? I believe is our desperation. Mark 10, 48 through 49, it says, many rebuked him, talking about Bartimaeus, and told him, be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped to call him. Jesus heard the blind man's, there you go, doing a good job, kid, you got it. They're they're shushing him. And Jesus stops, and and I believe, man, you can write write this down. Man, man, I believe there's something about desperation that grips the heart of our God. There's something about desperation that grips the heart of our God. And and I know God's sovereign. I know he can do whatever he wants. You know, I I know it's not about our performance. I, I know that. I know that. I, I know God's sovereign. He can do whatever He wants, wherever He wants, you know, for whomever He wants. But, but I also see, but, but why is He sharing these stories with us where when people get desperate, when, when, when a woman pushes through the crowd to, to touch him, when, when a blind man yells out when he's not supposed to, when a, woman, when a woman builds her house, then the prophet stops? Why does He share these stories if desperation doesn't grip His heart? Maybe there's a lesson in there. Church, are you desperate? Are you desperate? God, I just, God, I want to know you. Jesus was just passing by, but they, but they did something to capture his attention. They cried out. They made room. And Jesus changed what he was doing, and he changed where he was going because someone cried out in desperation. You know what makes them stop? It's our desperation. It's our faith. It's our honesty. It's our vulnerability, our transparency. It's more than just playing church on Sunday mornings. It's more than just watching others worship and watching others dig in. It's honing, growing desperate, that hunger we're talking about. It's growing hungry yourself, growing desperate yourself. It's desperately calling out the name of Jesus. Mark 10 49 through 52, Jesus stopped. He he called them. They called the blind man. They said, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Right? Shut up. Cheer up. What do I do? You know? He just starts dancing. But, But they... But, but Jesus recognized them. You, you know what happened is, is the church, the people who walked with Jesus, oh, they recognize, oh, oh, my, that's who my Savior cares for? Maybe I should care for him too. Oh, that's how my Savior lives? That's how my Savior sees the world? Oh, maybe that's how I should see the world too. So he's calling, they go, get get up. He's, he's calling you. And then notice this, it says, he threw his cloak aside. I love that, Bartimaeus, he, Threw his cloak aside that's important now if you're just reading the scriptures this is something you can just glance over you don't even think about it you don't even see it but if but man when you understand what this cloak represents to this man when you understand what that cloak is if Bartimaeus doesn't have that cloak Bartimaeus can't beg if Bartimaeus can't beg Bartimaeus doesn't get his need met Bartimaeus can't can't get money this cloak represents it's his comfort it's what sustains him It's what provides for him. It's his hope. It's his confidence. It's this this cloak. It's the thing he relies on. But notice when he gets up, it says he threw his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. So he says, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Remember that question, if Jesus were to stop and look at you and ask you, what do you want? What do you want? How would you you respond and what would you ask for? And like I said, I, I love how he throws off his cloak. He throws off his cloak. And like I said, this coat is so important. when he throws off his cloak, he's making a bold declaration. He's saying by faith, God, Jesus is calling. I'm not going to need this anymore. I'm I'm about to encounter my creator. I'm about to encounter the son of David. I'm never going to be the same. I'm not going to need this anymore. I don't need it. Throws it off. He walks up. Jesus asked Bartimaeus, "What do you want me to do for you?" Blind man, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight, and he followed Jesus. I want to close with this band. You guys can come back up. Um, me and my wife, just for the past couple nights, man, something I felt convicted of I needed to be reading the scriptures with my wife more so for the past couple of nights we just you know before bed we've been reading through Titus and uh we were in chapter three and as we were reading through this week I stumbled over this verse I said oh man that 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 goes right with our message man that's powerful it says this Titus three verses four through five it says but when the kindness and love of our God our savior appeared check this out it says he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Not because of what we've done, but because of his mercy. So, and if you remember Psalm 51 from last week, that first verse of Psalm 51, it's David. He's just committed adultery with Bathsheba, right? Finds himself broken, finds himself a sinful mess. And the first thing he says is, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In church, I believe there's some of us in this room, we need to respond to the kindness and love of our God this morning. There's people in this room this morning, Jesus is ready to respond to, ready to save